0: Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and more sounded off on the rest. But is there more to the story than just their complaints? Let's talk about it.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory.
0: Welcome into a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by m Price Bank, member FDIC. Matthew Lane, hi, hello, how are you? Weird being on a show just you and me again. Craig's doing fine yeah. with this, but uh, I'm excited to talk to you, buddy. I'm glad that you
1: clarified, I was going to ask you how Craig was doing, um, so I'm glad we got that out of the way. Um, what? Why? Because you like to let everybody know that Craig's doing fine anytime he's not here. It's, I think your thing. You, you let, let people know that Craig is doing all right. And I appreciate I appreciate that about you. You were looking out for everybody that comes in here to listen. They will know that Craig isn't in peril because he's
0: not on the show. Uh, Craig, Craig is not in peril. In fact, Matthew, Craig is great.
1: Yes, yes, he is. Um in fact, I am the one that is in grave danger because this. Canarius Tony officiating it's not a scandal situation. His it keeps going and I so don't want to do it, but like we have to. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a thing, and I don't want to take part in it. Line up correctly. Use your eyes, open them up, look over and see you're across the ball, problem solved. But there is there is a little bit more to this story, and I think it's something that we do have and we do have to talk
2: about.
0: Yeah, and like we tend to not want to talk about these things. We like to keep so it. Almost- you know we tend to keep it more you know beyond just something like officiating but and this thing is just grown legs and run like this whole conversation in in narrative and you're hearing different things and you're getting different perspectives um about the you know the the Kadarius tony situation um obviously patrick mahomes comes out quite angry andy Reid comes out quite angry and doesn't even t- entirely sound, you know, just necessarily just about the penalty itself, but more just the fact that it's a procedural thing where typically there's good communication between, you know, ref and player or and, and player or ref and coach, and they didn't feel like the, you know, the standard um, was really applied, you know, how the courtesy was really applied in the way in which they an- anticipated or expect, and to have that situation happen on such a crucial moment in the game was what I think drew a lot of ire from Chiefs players, from, you know, from the coaches. It's kind of funny to me, and I we can get into the Kadarius Tony thing, but I do think it's funny that you saw how uh, – before we get too far into that, I think, I think in some ways Mahomes and Andy Reid talking about it almost felt like it gave players – outside of those two, permission to complain about the refs. And you saw some of that bleeding over with some other players. You know, Jarek McKinnon flat out saying the refs have it in for for us. Jalen Watson talking about an illegal contact that wasn't called the entirety of the game, in his opinion, and then ultimately called on a third down in the fourth quarter. So it's almost like the two big figureheads and leaders of this program, of this organization, you know, almost gave permission for some of the complaints with the refs to happen. I think that was rather interesting because I think you saw a lot of frustration boil over for a lot of different people.
1: I mean... And if you dig into the stats, like the Chiefs have and the the gap and the penalties between called against them and then against the teams that they are playing is pretty significant. Like they have definitely been on the wrong side of officiating in the vast majority of games at the end of it. Now, that doesn't mean that they haven't got some calls that have gone their way because they 100% have. I mean, in this game, you could go through this Bills game and pick out plays for both sides that were, call, were called or weren't called that benefited both sides. It just it seems like they do seem to be a little bit more skewed towards the Chiefs this year. The stats back it up. The teams the Chiefs are playing are not getting called for near as many penalties for near as many yards as the Chiefs are. I think that is that is objectively true. Like we can sit here and say that. And so I'm sure from the players perspective, they kind of feel like um, not that refs have it in for them, but then maybe they're not getting a fair shake. The consistency isn't there. That maybe there is a little bit of weight being put on that final call that kind of helped them win the Super Bowl against the Eagles, and maybe now they probably feel in some way they're being punished for that, right? And now I'm putting words like into their mouth. Nobody has said that, but like I- I'm sure feelings like that, or that they're just not getting a fair shake, absolutely exist because the stats back it up. That said, at the end of the day, I just don't think you can react the way that some of the people did and not have it have repercussions throughout the locker room. And to your point, that's what we saw. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going off on officials, and now every single player that gets in front of a microphone is only talking about the officials and not really anything else. Since a couple of the rookies actually had really good like press conferences that had nothing pressers that had nothing to do with it, I'm sure they'll get it fixed. Andy's already come out today and kind of walked back his statement. Patrick Mahomes kind of apologized his actions. It was clearly a bunch of pent up frustration about officials and a lot more things that burst over in the moment. It's just. I don't think yelling about officials in the way they did is ever going to be productive, and I'm glad that they kind of see that now.
0: It was interesting to hear Mahomes' comments, just talking about how, you know, he felt he felt bad about how it looked with that with with his you know conversation with Josh Allen specifically was one of the guys he singled out and going after refs and saying you know I can't you can't do that to anyone in anything. You can't do it on the football field. You can't do it to refs. You can't do it in life. And I appreciated, you know, him kind of owning up to how he reacted and the emotions with all of that. Um, and I get the emotions, too, because, you know, these guys care deeply about what they're doing. They put a lot of work. They put their body on the lines. And I, they appreciate some level of consistency with how things are being called. So that's kind of, you know, I think the aftermath of. You know, after Pope you meo know, Reed and Mahomes kinda of go off on, you know, the refs and all that and and how that, you know, I, I think we've kind of seen them calm down a little bit, which I think we all anticipated they would walk their statements back and their feelings and their emotions a little bit back. But also Boy, today has been quite the day for the Kadarius Tony discourse. Um just because you've seen a lot of NFL opinions on it. Um we've seen uh, Dan Orlowski, we'll talk about that in a second we've seen Matt Ryan basically side with you know with the chiefs and say hey look i I think it's ridiculous that they kind of called that in that situation he's side with the players wanting them to just let that game be decide because it's procedural and it wasn't giving any advantage to the play whatsoever yada 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 but I think the two interesting things that have kind of, well three interesting things have kind of popped up since we've last talked uh, CBS reporter, or the, some of the CBS production crew says that there's video of Kadarius Tony basically checking to see if he was legal at the line of scrimmage. Tracy Wolfson, Wolfson quote tweeting that and confirming that he has that video. That gets deleted. Um, she
1: confirmed that he can confirm it. I want to be very clear. Yeah, she never said... She confirmed that he has the clip. Yeah, Yeah. she never said that she can confirm that it happened. She said that he would be... I essentially said he would be a person that can confirm it, and well, I mean we did see the clip,
0: right? I mean, sorry I pin you continue. No, we have be, um because Michael Howard uh has has footage of it. Uh shout out to Michael Howard. Um he uh he has footage of Kadarius Tony pointing to the sideline in the manner in which you would check for legal positioning um You think so? Well, I don't think that's what he's doing. I don't I, think that's what he's doing at all. I I that this is where I will, okay, like I'll I'll let you hypothesize where you stand on this on this video. You go first.
1: He's walking to the line of scrimmage pointing and barely paying attention. He's just signifying that he is going to be on the ball because there has to be another player on the ball covering up the tackle. I don't I do not think in any way shape or form he is checking his alignment. He's just signaling that like, hey, I am going to go line up on the ball because a ref does have to look for that or you get an illegal formation penalty. So like, I don't think Kadarius Tony is checking a single thing. He's just saying like, hey, I'm the guy that's going to be on the ball because he's pointing at the ref and he's still moving. And he's just pointing, pointing at the ref. He's just pointing at the sideline half-assed. And the ref's not even looking. Like you can see the bill of the referee's hat. He is clearly looking at towards the defense and not Tony. And I'm not saying Tony should know that that's happening. He's just, they're not communicating, they're not making eye contact, nothing is going on there. He's pointing to signify that I'm going to be on the ball, it's not an illegal formation, and he's still moving. He turns away from the sideline while still moving forward and getting set, that's not checking. And he never once again turns back out there. So no, he doesn't check his alignment. Yeah, he signals that I'm going to the line, he does not check his alignment whatsoever, and I know we're going to get to it later, but there essentially there is proof that he is never checking his alignment because well, the rest of the game and his entire season now exists. Well,
0: so like we'll get to that in a second. Um, this was what I was gonna say is very similar to what you just got done saying. I, I don't think that was good faith attempt to get aligned. I know the clip shows the uh, a pointing to the line of scrimmage, but he wasn't set. He wasn't even done moving forward as he was pointing. He wasn't done positioning his feet when he got done pointing. It was, whether it was just the laziest kind of, you know, procedural, you know, going through the motions check. Whether it was, hey, letting somebody know he was going to be on the line of scrimmage. I'm not even convinced he knew exactly where the ref was positioned on that play. Cause it looks like he's pointing more backwards from the light of scrimmage than he is where the ref is sitting at the ball. Like it just, it did not look to me as though he did the due diligence required to actively check his body positioning relative to the, to the line of scrimmage. Um, so I understand why like people are going to get up in arms about this and I, I I think it was worth re- I retweet it because I think it's worth everybody drawing their own their their own conclusions for themselves. I don't believe that was a good faith due diligence or good enough effort to justify saying, Hey, uh, I'm 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 good, right? So that wasn't good communication from the side with Kadarius Tony and and the ref. One thing I think it's important. It's a condensed split, so it's very far away from the line of scrimmage too, and so communication, eye contact, that matters even more in that kind of situation. So, if it's just lazy, that's a really bad look for for Kadarius Tony. If it's just complete absence, that's of, of actually trying to do that, that's also you know uh, a bad look for Kadarius Tony there. But I do think it's important for us to I, you can draw the conclusions from yourself, Michael. M U S E A is the is the X account. If you would like to go look at the video, uh, you can also check my my Twitter account as well, and you can watch the video. I, I, I retweeted it, but so yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Okay. I,
1: I. So like that's that video, right? Like that is what it is. People can make whatever decision they want to out of that, right? It's there. I think those are our opinions of what he was doing that's i mean clearly the referees thought the same thing because that was directly in their pool, their pool report afterwards to matt derrick when he was asking the questions about it so like that is the what we saw that's what the refs clearly saw that is relatively i guess negative or that is anti like you know the chief side of this because you're we are essentially siding with the ref saying like they were kind of doing their job here's where it flips Dan Rolofsky on NFL Live did a whole segment where he goes and he watched all of Kadarius Toney's routes from that game, all of his alignments. Kadarius Tony was doing it all game long without even the half-assed point to the sideline. He was just straight up lining on the line of scrimmage all game long. He kept doing it and was never flagged. Andy Reid has doubled down now that he was never warned. Patrick Mahomes was told that he was never told about it. And this goes into your Matt Ryan point from earlier. Matt Ryan said that sometimes they'll tell a quarterback that a guy's getting pretty close to lining, you know, in the neutral zone. And Pat said nobody ever told him, nobody told Tony, nobody tells Reed, nobody tells Patrick Mahomes, and this goes on for almost every route he runs on the line of scrimmage. I think there was like six examples in just that video, but it gets worse. Some other people have gone back and started, I think PFF Sam, um, Sam Monson has gone through and gone back to Kadarius Tony's routes throughout the year and found examples from other games of Kadarius Tony lining up the same way. In the neutral zone. And again, it it sounds like there has never been a warning that he is doing this. So, this is a Kadarius Tony thing, which is his own problem. Let me say, first and foremost, open your eyes and look at the ball so that you can align in the proper spot. However, the NFL officials, you can't go all game, all season, not calling somebody and then start calling them just on a random one off because it happened. Maybe it was a bit more egregious. Maybe the guy got tipped off by the Bills sideline and he was actively looking for it. I don't know, but Tony has been doing this all game, all year, and hasn't been called. It is a very sucky spot to have this be the first time it gets called, and I understand being frustrated over that as an inconsistency 100%.
0: Yes. It gets... This is one of the weirdest, most nuanced conversations I've been a part of on this podcast, but like, we can acknowledge that there has to be better due diligence, better attention to detail from Kadarius Tony, and also acknowledge that there was a lot of inconsistency in how that was called for the entirety of the game. And I know that I I and I don't know like Dan Orlovsky, like I one thing I will say is like depending on the cut you have from Dan Orlovsky, we don't know entirely like for sure was has he checked at all if he's on or off. I don't know. We like maybe he has all indications of the tape that we have. Does not seem like he has Um, but you know, it it also could be that, that, that there are examples of him doing it just off of the, the view it's, it's hard to say with a hundred percent certainty, I think based on the clip we saw, I think that's fair. Um, but it's just, yeah, to, to call that play to call the slightest, like I, I, I compared it to baseball last week, last night on the show. It's like the Bach rule. It's just a procedural move that doesn't always give an advantage to a team, but sometimes gets called for the most minute thing. And I don't believe this to just be a ref show thing. But, you know, sometimes the Bach feels like a ref show thing where it's just like I'm calling this by the exact you know, to you know by the book yada yada yada. I don't know if I necessarily have a, an issue with that one instance not or being called because he, he was pretty offsides from some of the views. It's just the fact that he's probably been offsides multiple times in that game, and so that's, that's where that's where it gets frustrating to me is that you didn't tell anybody, you didn't have a problem with it, and then you call it on the most important play of the game.
1: Yeah. And I, other reason I have a hard time getting real caught up in it. Juwan Taylor is aligned illegally too for a penalty that he has been called on this year on that exact same play. He is 100% too far back. He is not at Creed Humphrey's belt line. And again, we're, we're getting very minor. We're getting very nuanced with that. And it doesn't get called plenty of times, but he has actively been called. On. It was a big deal to every che every cheese game where he was aligning on that play. He was aligning too far back as is. So like, you know, pick, pick your poison there on that. Like, the Chiefs as a whole wind up incorrectly on both sides of the football there. It's just like, it stinks that it happens then. I agree. It 100% sucks that it happens then. And I understand a little bit more the frustration that was built up in Mahomes on the field and Andy Reid. And again, I don't think it was just that call. I think it was the whole 13 weeks of playing with this, this team, playing and making the mistakes that led to that frustration. But I understand more that play setting it off when you start to see how often this is happening and how nobody has cared until that moment. But as far as the actual call, the chiefs should not have been able to run that play the way they did. Whether you want to call it on Tony, whether you want to call it on Jawan Taylor, however you want to do it. Like they were not aligned properly on that play stinks. And this is the way it went, but that that's what it was.
0: So, and then two more thoughts on the kadarius Tony thing, And then we can mercifully move on. Thank I think. God. Um, so i know i don't know exactly like i would i need to research the refs and like how they i don't know if they flip sides of the field or if they're always just staying on one side of the field regardless of which direction the ball is going in um a lot of the examples i've seen would have been the opposite side of the field where Kadarius tony is lined up on the line of scrimmage so maybe it's something that that side ref maybe it's seen that that what the other side ref was letting slide, which still isn't an excuse because you got to stay consistent. You want to try to k- stay consistent across the board. Um, but also, this is another point to just you know, kind of carries Tony's inconsistent uh, inconsistency and something like that. It also, I mean, how often is he on the line of scrimmage? You know, it's not like he's a guy that spends a ton of time on the line of scrimmage. Now he had several instances this week where he was on the line of scrimmage. And maybe that's something where maybe he hasn't had a ton of experience with some of the procedural stuff being a line of scrimmage player, you know? And so, because I mean, how often is he actually the one in motion? How often is he the one in the backfield? And so, you know, that's just a point of emphasis. If he's going to play more on the line of scrimmage the way he did this week that they might want to just, I mean, I mean, he's going to, it's going to emphasize now, Uh, but I just, you know, I wonder how many reps he's really truly had playing as as a line of scrimmage player. This is also would have been a great time for him to be in training camp too. You know, these are this is opportunity to work on some of that kind of stuff and some of those kind of procedural things as well. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. It it was uh, it was a bummer. There's a lot of layers to it. I don't know if I can deal with any more commentary on either side of it from any national people because. I, I mean, don't need I don't listen, need another addition to the saga.
1: Listen, it's already happening because Jalen Waddle lined up an entire step or half a step past the line just during the game tonight. Like it's all over Twitter right now. Jalen Waddle did the exact same thing, maybe just as egregious as Kadarius Tony, and nobody said a word. So I mean, like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna keep happening because uh, I know Chiefs fans. We are Chiefs fans. Great fan base, awesome fan base. They're going to, when they get a hold of a bone, they're not going to let go until it's driven home. Look at how many different plays we saw of- John Taylor. Our starts yeah. <laughs> and misalignments. You're now about to get the exact same thing of something that probably happens even more. This probably happens even more than the tackle alignment thing. So like, it's going to be never ending from now until the end of the year. I will say this particular penalty- it doesn't matter. If a wide receiver looks to a ref and gets approval, he could be five yards past the line of scrimmage. If the ref gives him approval, the ref gives him approval. So, like, you got to be a little careful with the screen caps. But, like, it's it's something that we are going to keep seeing because it's already happened in tonight's double header of games.
0: I think it's just funny that <laughs> the Chiefs have been the poster child for lining up too far off the ball and too far on the ball now. Like, they. <laughs> The and they same did it on the same play. play. The they same. did it on the same well, play. Well, it happened in the same play. Uh, yeah, it just that's just funny. That's just funny to me. Uh, I don't know. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna talk about what happened on the field beyond that play right after this.
1: What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at SandlotGoods.com. You can click the link
2: in the description for more information. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a very busy time, and it can also be a time of giving to your family or to your community. It can also be a time of a little bit of extra added stress possibly to your life, whether it's from holiday travel, financial stress, or from being around your family that can add extra stress to your life. You might be extra focused on giving to your family or to your community and maybe losing a little bit of giving to yourself. The holidays are always a great time to give to others, but sometimes it might be better to sometimes focus on yourself as well. So whether that's by starting therapy or going easy on yourself during tough moments or maybe treating yourself to a day of rest, remember to give yourself some extra love during this holiday season. Therapy can be a great way to give yourself that extra love. It can make you feel grounded. It can help you remove some extra stress maybe from your life or help release burdens that you might have. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash KCSN for 10% off your first month.
3: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: I want to give a warm thank you to everyone who donated to the Soul of KC Raffle. Uh, an incredible amount of money was donated. I think we exceeded twenty thousand dollars raised. Um, Tucker, if you can tell me the exact number we wound up getting, but we all uh, we had a lot of people at KC Sports Network go out to Dick Sporting Goods um, and just go on a huge shopping spree to help load up um, Operation Breakthrough. Uh, and their their Christmas store helping a lot of kids and families that you know maybe don't have this the kind of stuff that um, all of us are lucky to have and making sure that they're getting it and they're getting it during Christmas. So thank you again for everyone that donated. You could also watch the winners. Uh, I think the winners of the show at the raffle were at the end of the only weird game show and I'm sure you'll be in contact if you uh, we'll be in contact with you if we uh, if you did indeed win something. so but thank you again, for uh for everyone's participation in the solo casey raffle that means a lot um okay on the field stuff um i don't know matthew what what's the thing that is just what's the burning what's the burning desire you had to come and talk on this show about
1: um well uh, first of all i want to shout out Bumpa here for asking you know a little super chat question getting a you know putting these in here i i want to talk anytime you guys ask us questions we want a good questions. we want to talk about them what cra- is a prediction? What crazy mistake do you think sends the Chiefs home in the playoffs?
0: I have it. it. You ready? Okay, let's go. Yes. Travis Kelsey is going to lateral K- to Kadarius Tony again in the playoffs, and Kadarius is going to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my. That's my. If something crazy happens that ends the season, I think it's they try that again and it doesn't work. That I got is happening.
1: Kadarius Tony tries to do it himself, but throws it forward instead of backwards <laughs> on a play where you probably could have just gone down and fought another down on a non-desperate situation. Um, yeah. I, honestly, let's call it a spade of spade. The Chiefs are due for uh, lining up over the long snapper on a game-winning sealed goal or like a fourth and four punt that would have sealed the game for them. They are due for a lining up over the long snapper or like jumping over him or something like that, right? Like it. it those would be my two guesses. I like the Ford lateral from
0: Kadarius Tony, though, because he doesn't know what a lateral is. <laughs> uh, there's no, there's no straight lines with him. I can I can I stop being like pessimistic and negative for like just two seconds? Because sure, and because we can get into all this game stuff. Because like I know we came away with some takeaways from you know we felt good about some things in that game, and it's crazy how we know what the fatal flaw of the Chiefs is. Uh, Ooh, okay, this is a good thing. Well, we know what the fatal, f- it, it's just, I mean, it's self, it, it's a big picture thing. It's not like one specific. I think there's just so many self-inflicted mistakes that this team makes that keeps them from winning games. Now, that's a big bucket, and that bucket is uh, a potpourri of things. Um, but if you look at the, if you look at the NFL right now, I would say this season looks cooked if it was last year. But this year there are a lot of teams that that can lose on any given week. And I will throw out all like several teams that the Chiefs have played that are probably going to be in the playoffs that they've lost to that they're one play away from winning and they're two plays away or three plays away from blowing another team out. It's like I just feel like there are so many self-inflicted wounds on this team in the in the games that they've lost. They've beat themselves a lot more than other teams have beat them despite all of the struggles that we've seen from this offense. And yes, at some point, that's just what they are. But if you... I'm not ready to just completely give up on everything either just because, man, like a few... If they, if they start correcting some of these fixable things... And I know it's an if and it's December... But, like, if there's a breaking point that just finally turns it on for this team and it's, I don't know, during these four games where they're going to be playing you, me, Craig, and Tucker at quarterback, like, I don't know, man. Like, I I still, I still am holding out hope that there is a path to this team still doing a lot of the things that they've been able to do over the last few years.
1: So I think this is good. I think the big thing that is like burning for me to talk about this game is the Chiefs don't have a singular Achilles heel. It's not just the wider series. They don't know how to win football games anymore. That was was the final thing I think you banked on all year for the Chiefs is you get to the playoffs. Maybe it doesn't always look pretty, but when push comes to shove, the game is on the line. The Chiefs are going to be the team that finds the way to win because gestures at the past five, six years of success, right? They're the team that nobody wants to go into the fourth quarter in a one-score game with. It doesn't matter how afraid they might be during the game or like what the outlook is going in. You don't want to go into that game, with a one-score game down the stretch. You don't want to give the ball to Patrick Mahomes with a chance to pull the Chiefs within tying or leading the game. And guess what? This year, they keep failing that test over and over and over. And yes, the wide receiver room is the, the one that they most likely... Is causing the most issues, but still at the end of the day, you're getting offensive tackles messing plays up. You're getting miscommunications. You're getting fumbles on the from the wide receiver. You're just you're getting so many little things that it's just like this team has just slowly lost kind of like that edge that was oh no if the game's close we will be the team that finds a way to win. It's the regular season. You have four games to figure it out. You have four games to right the ship to where you go in the playoffs riding a high. You get into, you keep all of these games as to one score like they have all year. And then you are the team that finds a way to win because you have the best player on the planet. Because things do seem to be looking up ever so slightly just by the eye test. But this is five times now where the Chiefs have really had a chance in the fourth quarter to make a comeback or make something a game. I know the Land Dolphins, AKA the Broncos game, wasn't exactly one score. But if Sky Moore catches that touchdown in the back of the end zone, that game gets a lot more, gets a lot spicier. Right. So, like, they're really in every single one of these games with a ball, with the ball, with a chance to do something, and they couldn't. They just lost that edge of just knowing how to be better than the other team and executing the plays, executing when the pressure matters. That's no longer a feather in their cap this year. It's Mm -hmm. just that they're losing those games more than they're winning them. So, when you have an offense that isn't clicking, you have a team prone to making mistakes, and you were the team that is executing worse in pressure situations and must have it situations, that's a tough sell. I and mean, that's a tough sell to say you're making a long run of the playoffs when every game you play is coming down to those pressure packed moments,
0: and I think it's an important thing to to remind everybody. I don't think we're saying that all these position groups need to be perfect. It's just that all these posi- all these position groups are making too many mistakes. And it's like the it's it's not that a drop can't happen or a penalty can't happen. Or, you know, even an offside, you know, a one procedural play can't happen. It's just a a bevy of mistakes and too many mistakes happening in the course of a game. The Chiefs found different ways to lose, you know, to to end their drives last, last week. Red zone turnover, Mahomes throws that ball, ball gets, you know, don't get the hands down
1: because a tackle, yeah, because a rookie tackle is helping on the interior gap and not getting to a D end on a quick pass coming his way. Wanya Morris played great, but that was—I mean—one of his few mistakes in that game was not getting any hands on AJ Epinesa, who was able to deflect the ball because Mahomes didn't have time to look that off. It was a quim. And he turned it through, and like you just—you expect the hands to get down. I don't even want to say mental error; just unfortunate. Like you got to do that, it is a little bit of a mistake, but it's going to happen when you have young guys playing. And then you have a fumble by Rasheed Rice making extra yards after the catch, which is essentially what you have him on the field for, right? Like that's kind of his number one trait. He's fighting for extra yards and fumbles. You have an MVS miscommunication. Yeah, I know. Drink. There's been a
0: lot of those, but I someone mean, has to go out there. Kadarius drops a second and t- twelve that could have made it third. James four. drops a beautiful throw. I, I mean, mean, like, there's just it's literally like it's a it's every way you could. Every way you could kill a drive, they did. And I think that's one of the biggest, you know, it's, it's, if, if, I mean, how different that game if the Chiefs just put points on the board instead of throwing an interception in that opening drive? You know, it's just, and it's, it's not fun to play the what if game, but it's, they have too many mistakes. They, they, they don't, they can't overcome the volume of mistakes that they make as a team. And there is definitely one ginormous Achilles. I think there's one Achilles still of this team, and it is the receivers, and it's the consistency. And I think if you watch the Bills, if you watch that last possession against the Bills, Matthew, what were the what were the Bills doing? Do you remember? They were blitzing. They were blitzing Patrick Mahomes like crazy. And you know what They're they were working. saying down? They but here's the but what they were saying was. We're gonna, we're gonna, in crunch time, we are gonna make someone other than Patrick Mahomes beat us, and we are gonna get the ball out of his hands quick, and we are going to trust that this receiver group, this young, inexperienced group of pass catchers, can identify a blitz, they can identify a hot, they can make a play under pressure, they can see things the same way their quarterback sees it. They were putting the pressure on non-Mahomes players to try to go out and make a play. And yes, they did some good things in that possession. MVS, credit where credit's due, good sliding catch. Had some guys that are making some plays in that possession. But that's the opinion. That's the opinion of the league right now. And I think that's the thing is, I think this team has to overcome. Like this team, for them to achieve anything, it, has, it still has to come from the receiver group. It still has to be them stepping up And being proven to be not the same kind of liability that they have been to this point. Not that the other things don't have to get cleaned up because they absolutely do. But I think what you're seeing is when it comes time for the playoffs, I think you started to see a little bit of what teams are going to try to do. And I think it's going to be trying to force consistency upon everyone that's trying to catch passes from Patrick Mahomes.
1: Um, I, I think we should talk about why it's maybe not all doom and gloom for the Chiefs going forward, because I think there was some stuff about this game that gives you positive. But before we do that, I I do want to answer Charles Michael Sinclair's question that he threw up in our chat here. Could it be possible the coach who paid attention to detail and kept players accountable is in Washington? I wouldn't say possible. I'd say it's highly likely. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of the scheme the play calling, the play design that Eric Biennami played a role in. The offense, to me, it hasn't really looked much different in what they try to do with or without Eric Biennami as he's been upgraded throughout the coaching staff from before or at, like to when he was the offensive coordinator. I don't know how much impact he has there, but I will say I do think there's a significant impact that has shown up on the sideline. There's a significant impact of getting guys' minds set for the task at hand versus the big picture of everything. I think you saw that from James Palmer's report coming from the game saying he was on the Chiefs sideline and the Chiefs in between every play after the Kadarius Tony penalty were talking to the refs. Were mad still. Like he said he could just feel it on the sideline that it was over because nobody was paying attention to the game anymore. I think Eric Bieniemy is the guy that gets them back on the game there. It wasn't Andy Reid. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes himself. And I'm not saying that as a negative to those guys. It's just somebody else has to be that That steady force, right? Somebody else has to be somebody has to be the asshole to everybody else on the team. I don't know if they have that right now. I don't think so. Andy Reid's busy calling plays when the offense has the ball. He's calling plays, he's going through his play sheet. He doesn't have time to go babysit every position group in between snaps. Somebody else has to take on that role. If Matt Nagy's not doing it, and I don't think that's his style to get on people to make them feel accountable, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, I'm not saying he's not doing his job well but somebody has to get on them, make sure they are focused up and doing what they need to do and feeling like their job matters and they have to do it right. Andy Reid can't be that guy and be the play caller. Somebody else has to take over that role. And if it's not Matt Nagy, if it's not all the assistant coaches who came to the Chiefs as the same age or when all these Chiefs veterans got there, how are they now taking over that role of being the leader? How How is, and I don't I don't even want to use a name. How is a coach who's only been with the Chiefs for five years going to go up to Patrick Walls and say, hey man, I know we've been here the same time. You have to listen to me now. Like, everybody has been in the system. There's nobody there to take that leadership when Andy Reid's not available to do it because he's running the offense. That is a knock on Matt Nagy, but I also, I'm not trying to say he's doing a terrible job at everything. It's just
0: nobody's filling the Eric Bieniemy role whatsoever. And I think, um, you know, like I think some of the perception of of Eric Biennemi is there was something cliche about him where he just harped on mundane you know fundamentals and harped on things in a way that was very cliche and it got old and stale and boring for some players and some players didn't want to hear it well the Chiefs lack fundamentals, they lack discipline they lack consistency and it might be an eye roll thing for some players. It might be an eye roll thing, you know, for for the, you know, it might be an eye roll thing for for players sometimes. But it's necessary. And I think you're I think you're seeing like how necessary it is for someone to be harping on some of these things for this group. Because they're missing little things and little details, and important details that are keeping them from winning games. And despite the comedy of errors, despite the ways in which this team Screwed possessions up last week. If Kadarius Tony checks the line of scrimmage, if he lines up on side, yada yada yada, whatever, doesn't give the ref a reason to say anything, they put their defense on the field with a chance to win the game with the, with seventy nine seconds left. And let's we can pivot now because Josh Allen stunk in the second.
1: Well, okay, I wouldn't go that far. Oh. Well, okay. <laughs> That's We're fair. not going just defense. We're going why this team can make a legitimate run of the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. And I think we can start on the defensive side and circle back the offense.
0: I did forget it's about def- that throw with Josh Allen. So, uh, <laughs> it's not
1: just that throw, though. Making Nick Bolton miss on a free rush and then completing a pass. I mean, like, that, that was, was the a first step, wasn't it, it? No, no, no. The, the field step. goal. The final Uh-oh. field goal. The game-winning field goal. That, was, that played uh-huh. bad.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> Was it the the second half when he broke Trent McDuffie's ankles on the play too? And like, I don't know if the play ended up being zero, but it was not an eight-yard loss. Like, I thought Josh Allen was phenomenal in the pocket. I thought he had a really good read on what the Chiefs were trying to do, especially in the first half. I think the Chiefs' defense adjusted well. I think the Chiefs' defense kind of played with one hand tied behind their back because they didn't have their best space linebacker. They didn't have their linebacker that played the best in coverage or out in space, and you saw the Bills attack Nick Mm -hmm. Bolton Willie Gay and Leo Schnell, <clears throat> excuse me, relentlessly. And so, whoa, I'm
0: losing my voice. Take it, Kit. Oh my! Can you? Do you have water? Oh my gosh! Yeah, they look. Maddie's right. They were without their best. Oh. They were. Out, they were, They were without their best. You know, linebacker this season. He's been outstanding this year. I mean, he's been fantastic and they played the Buffalo Bills and held them to 20 points without a player that does give them some different scheme advantages and some things that they can do differently uh, in coverage. Are you ready, Matthew?
1: We're going to find out. Okay, no, we're there. We're back. Kind oh, of yeah. It's still it's struggling, but it's there. Um, yeah, and so the defense was kind of playing with one hand tied behind their back in that regard, and the Bills got, I mean, essentially the Bills got all their points besides that final field goal came on that, right? Yep the two first drives attacking the linebackers relentlessly coming out of the second half and they attacked them essentially the same uh, differently but it was still just attacking the linebackers
0: and i think it's a very big important point of distinction here because i think all of the all they're attacking the linebackers it was not just nick bolton that they were attacking willie gay had a rough game as well and they were attacking him as well and i think leo chanel did too
1: It wasn't as bad for Chanel because the Chiefs, like, hide him a little bit, right? But it was all of them. They had no answers for for when they got Cook out in space. The answer actually ended up being just blitzing more, and that forced the the Bills to keep Cook into pass prect or really put Latavius Murray on the field instead because Cook couldn't pick up the protections the right way. So the Chiefs had the answer. We've seen the Chiefs go up against the Bills, who are one of the best offenses in the NFL, I think, first or second, and the Dolphins, one of the best offenses in the NFL, first or second. They've done absolutely fantastic versus both of them, especially considering what they were missing versus the Bills. I have zero doubts that this defense, when push comes to shove, can give this team, can give any offense in the NFL a fighting chance come playoff time. This defense is... Ligerius Sneed shut down Stefan Diggs so bad, and he was so frustrated that he dropped a screen pass on one of the worst play-calling situational football managements I've ever seen from the Bills to end the game before the field goal. So bad. Trent McDuffie was a menace when he was, a, when he was blitzing, and I thought he covered pretty well outside of one play, which just took a while to get there. Chris Jones was disruptive as all hell, all game long. I thought for not having Brian Cook, who was like the most experienced guy, kind of calling some of the back-end stuff and showing his range, Chamari Conner stepped up and played big. Mike Edwards made some really nice plays. Like I thought this defense played plenty good enough to win this game versus a very good offense that had really good game plans designed to beat this specific defense. This defense will consistently put the Chiefs in position to have a chance to win every single game they play from here on out.
0: Uh I agree with that statement. Um I think I think the Chiefs Had a fantastic second half too. I mean, they were like they were, they were fantastic in the second half of that game. Um, actually, this is gonna sound funny. Like, I know this is a quick sidebar. I don't think I walked away overly impressed with the Bills, um, especially since once the Chiefs figured out how to cover the running, cover James Cook, their offense really struggled for most of the game. I actually. Yeah, I, I I was less impressed with the Bills than I you know I, I, I Chiefs lost I think the Chiefs lost that game more than the Bills won it I think the Chiefs are a better football team than the Bills even with that game and I think it's going to be tough sledding for the Bills to put four games consistently together at this point now I wouldn't be surprised if they're on the table because they still got a really 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 good quarterback but I I don't every team that this team is this team has lost to, that's a contender they seem mortal the same way the Chiefs are mortal. I none no team scares me the way other teams in the past have scared me and given me, you know, reason for concern. And I think that's part of it. This defense is exceptional. It's elite, uh, to your point. And that is, you're absolutely right. Like that is the that is the point that like that that is they're a defensive team. You said it, you said it the other day. You know, you said it a couple of weeks ago. This is a defensive team. This defense is elite. In week two. There's no team that scares me to the point where I'm gonna be like overly concerned. I trust this defense. I I trust Steve Spagnolo. I trust January Steve Spagnolo to give this team some problems. So if the Chiefs can just find some level of consistency. They can just find some level of consistency on offense. Everything's on the table, especially considering I the the rest of this the the rest of the league is down in some capacity.
1: Okay. Um, I, I guess my counter would be, I think they're finding some semblance of consistency on offense. Right. And like the past two weeks against like, you would even go back to the Eagles was a little different because it was a lot of the run game, but we've seen when the teams are going to let the chiefs run the ball. And this was the same for this game against the bills. Like they can have success running the football. I know the, the stats overall don't look great. Like Clyde was just under, was under four yards per carry, but like some of the runs looked really nice. Jerick yeah. McKinnon was up over four. Like the run game wasn't terrible. I didn't get to do it a ton. But there wasn't, you know, the, the game script played it out where so they couldn't. They could run the ball fine. They did versus the Eagles. They did in a couple other games. You then go to the Raiders game, and it was all the quick passes, the screens, the switch routes. It was showed a baseline, and that carried over to the Packers game. And now you saw in the Packers game where that fails. Right? The Packers were all over some of the switch releases. They were eating up some of the screens, and the offense got a little stagnant. But I thought versus the Bills, they showcased they understand like the next level of what they have to get to. I think think about
0: nice stuff. Think about the 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 screen stutter they avert they tried to throw like they built off of their little their now routes and their screen routes they were late to line up and I think it was was it Kadarius or was it was Rasheed that was late to line up formationally they tried to throw a fake screen vert to Rasheed Rice in the red zone I mean they've got things that they're continuing to build off of and they're continuing to show please continue.
1: Yeah, no, and so, like, they were doing what's up. They were getting to the intermediate areas of the field. The, the Bills have been one of the first teams to adopt the throw three guys at Travis Kelsey strategy, and that she still got him open enough to have 10 catch, ten targets, six catches, should have been one more with the lateral, but, you no, know, that is what it is. They still found a way to get Travis Kelsey involved and kind of funnel some of the offense through him. Rasheed Rice continues to get a high workload, and for the second week in a row, or I guess third week in a row, you've seen them try to push the ball down a little bit with him. Now, it was later in the game, but we still saw a slant. We saw a back shoulder. They're like, I think they're starting to put some stuff together offensively to where I don't think the offense is going to be good. Like I'm I, good by chief standards, but I think it will be a very functional offense. I think they are trending towards coming together with what is going to be a functional offense. The problem is when you start the game with an interception because your rookie offensive tackle doesn't get hands on a defensive end. One play is all it took for that turnover. When you have a rookie wide receiver running after a catch, breaking a tackle, and gets a fumble, that's one play again on that drive that led to a mistake. You take the ball away from your team twice on those two plays, that's what this team can't handle. They can't overcome those turnovers. They can't overcome MVS deciding to run at the safety instead of just settling down where Mahomes is throwing the ball. Little stuff like that is still difficult for them to overcome when they have the mistakes, but... If they can play a mistake-free game, or not even a mistake-free game, if they can avoid just the shooting themselves in the foot, you can handle the MVS play. You can handle the drop by Canarius Toney on 2nd and 10. You can handle a Jawan Taylor false start penalty that may or may not have been a false start. You just can't handle the extreme negative plays still with this offense because they're not built like that. But I think you are seeing signs that if over the next four weeks this offense continues to grow the way it has grown this past couple weeks, this past month, you might hit the playoffs with an offense that is playing at a league average, slightly above level, with Patrick LeVon Mahomes at the helm, and you have a chance in that situation to win any possible game you come up against.
0: I think um, I someone commented today in the socials, just like, you know, I guess it was some kind of comment about like, you know, how I, I guess, uh, you know, quarterbacks really can't elevate the play of wide receivers I think I think they can I just think there are some just basic things that just have to be executed and if those are executed if the little things some little details are taken care of then Mahomes can again like I think that's the thing Andy I think made some comments about how they were close and they're so close I kind of agree that I think they are close you know I you know I think there's gonna still be some mistakes that they make you know, I, still,
1: I think it's close to being competitive. Like I, I, right. I, don't interrupt, but like, I don't think it's close to being the Super Bowl favorite. I think it's close to being competitive in the amongst the Super Bowl com, like contending teams. Like I think maybe that's the difference. And I, I don't think this is like some kind of mind game from Andy Reid of trying well, to play it.
0: It's just what does Andy we, mean? Do you think Andy means the elite number one offense in the world, or do you think he means that? Because like I think they are close to being a team that can put it together and win games in in January.
1: Yeah, that's it. He means they're close. They're close to being good enough to win the game, right? Like that's all Andy's gonna mean by that. And like I agree with him. As in, I agree, they are close to being a a competitive team that you probably don't want to, you know, not, you're not happy to play in the playoffs that you're a little worried you might you might lose against, right? And like, but not the Super Bowl favorite team. They're getting closer to that. And I, so I do finally agree with that. We're in week 13, 14, and we finally got there, but we're there.
0: Yep. And I mean, they still have, I think, the third best odds in the AFC to win the Super Bowl. And the reason they probably have the third best odds right now is because they're not going to be probably the one seed in the ASC. And the second they're, though, favored one seed in the AFC, they're back to being you know, the best. odds. So I think, you know, I think a lot's still on the table for this team. It'd be fun to have this team be the one that, be one that wins the Super Bowl because there has been so many flaws. and There's been so many frustrations. But, I mean, we've been through some of these frustrations with Super Bowl winning teams before, too. Um, I think the first Super Bowl had some of that. So it would be fun to see this team kind of pull some things off. Stickers slaps, and game ball time. Ooh. Uh, so, If you were in the chat, please feel free to leave a game ball uh, of your choosing. I am going to go with a helmet sticker to Patrick Mahomes and not for the reasons that you might think I am. I, th- I saw a very savvy veteran move from Patrick Mahomes this week. When Patrick Mahomes threw his helmet in anger this week, he threw it with his left arm and I just thought that was an incredibly savvy move to not potentially damage the ul- ulnar collateral ligament, the UCL, as some would say, or anything else in that elbow by emphasizing using the left arm to throw down his helmet. So shout out Patrick Mahomes for, I think, a very, very moving using his left hand and ankle. Uh But slapping
1: a good job, Matthew. I can't even pretend to be confused that it's my turn because Greg's not here. Um... I'm gonna go with you. Jerick still McKinnon. should
0: have. You still should have though.
1: <laughs> oh, it's. I'm my gonna hair. go. With, I'm gonna go. With, that would be a bit, and this isn't a bit. I'm gonna go uh-huh. with Jarek McKinnon. Um, I, I listen. I, we all j- kind of joke and jest like they're trying to save him for the playoffs or various players for the playoffs. And there was some reports coming out that maybe that's the Chiefs are trying to do. Like, man comes off not being able to play last week at all, and like he doesn't get a like a crazy amount of run but he gets a fair amount of snaps he's nails and pass pro yet again he gets a couple really nice runs he actually converts a couple first downs that she's really needed he makes a couple nice catches I really liked his taunting of the finger wag when the uh he hit the stutter step on the defender I just like how he looked out and he wagged the finger out to the side while never looking at him that's how you ensure you don't get a penalty you don't make that eye contact you're not in their face you're just letting them go off to the side it's like I do think there's something to it. I think Jerick McKinnon played a pretty good game. And I do think down the stretch here, he might be a guy they rely on a little bit more in high leverage situations. They did it last year until, you know, I mean, all the way through the Super Bowl, it might be coming again. And when you look around this wide receiver room, I kind of get it. And, you know, honorary shout out to Deshaun Jackson saying he'd want to come play for the Chiefs, buddy. We would welcome you with open arms. Please come play for the Chiefs, Andy. Who, Veach, whoever gets to make that call, I we can get them the clip from the K Adam from the, uh, the K Adam show this morning with Deshaun Jackson on there and letting him say that he wants to come play with the Chiefs. Goodness, we know they could use it. As long as he can look side to side and the line on the on the ball and catch a football thrown his way, it's an improvement.
0: Demarcus Robinson also looked kind of good for the Ravens this week. Don't so. you dare. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This, you're
1: going to sit me on a sidebar. If Demarcus Robinson had every single one of MVS's sna- like snaps this year, every single one of MVS's snaps this year, right, the Chiefs would have at least one, if not two less losses. Correct. Minimum. Because I don't think the MVS is significantly faster than Demarcus Robinson anymore. And some of those moves have been double moves. And Demarcus Robinson's really good on double moves. And we've seen Demarcus Robinson track a deep ball and catch it. If he got every single one of MBS's snaps this year, I, I, I feel 100% confident that they would have at least one, if not two less losses this year. And that hurts so bad.
0: Uh, Some game balls. We're seeing Legereus Sneed. As and we should. also got an honorary whole-ass bottle of vodka
1: from the Renaissance man himself, Craig Stout. He, he's doing okay, guys. He is fine. But he does want to send a whole-ass bottle of vodka to Le'Jarius Need for once again shutting down an opposing wide receiver one. And this might have been the most impressive one yet. He did run with Stephon Diggs all game long. Stephon Diggs wasn't even pouting. Stephon Diggs just kind of knew that he was in trouble. Like, I don't they got physical. Well, They threw hands, but, like, Diggs wasn't doing, like, when Diggs doesn't get targets and the thing isn't going perfect for that team, he gets very animated. He wasn't even
0: doing that. He just, like, it felt like Diggs knew that he was getting shut down. And, like, that was crazy. He was. And he, I think he threw hands or pushed or something. He was getting, like, he was frustrated. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't, like, your typical, like, it was different, right? It was totally different. It was a different...
1: It was like frust- It was a
0: frustrated, like, hey, he's outplaying
1: me, not a frustrated, I'm not getting what I want.
0: So, uh, Craig, yeah, whole bottle of bourbon to uh, Legere Steed from Craig. I am seeing Furious George getting some love. I'm also seeing Shamari Connor for his first interception getting some love as well. Uh, good job on him. Good to see him make a play, uh, another rookie. Wani Morris deserves some love as well uh we didn't mention him today but you know i well not we didn't mention him enough i think Juannie morris please i hope i hope wandy morris starts another game that's all i'm gonna say all you i don't see any reason he shouldn't if,
1: okay you want do you want to see real anger put donovan smith back in there and listen to the kc laboratory show the the day after that's announced there is zero reason donovan smith should play over wandy morris
0: that's going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. appreciate everybody that's hung out listened. We will be back on Thursday. Uh, we appreciate you all. Thank you again so much. We love you. We'll catch you later.